Amen. Thank God for our praise team. Amen for Sister Natasha and Sister Liz. Amen. Amen. We just thank God for a willing vessel and a willing spirit. Amen. And we thank God for both of you allowing the Lord to use you on this afternoon. Amen. And thank God for everyone that's here on, on the day and for all that, you've, all that you have all done, amen, already on this afternoon. Um, we are going to take our passage, our uh, look at a passage from the book of Galatians, the sixth chapter, and we'll be looking at the first five verses. Galatians 6, 1 through 5. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, your version may read different, but uh, nevertheless, we ask that you read along with us. Amen. Starting at verse 1, and it reads as follows. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the love of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. You know, last week, um, you know, we had communion. It was Communion Sunday. And one of the familiar passages that we often read um, when we take part of communion is, let a man examine himself. And in thinking along that same vein, here we are, CHCC, we just celebrated our first anniversary a few months ago. Amen. It's a reason to celebrate. Amen. And in that, it's often time for us to look back and see, you know what? Let's look at some of what we did and let's examine what we did individually. Let's examine what we did as a congregation. And uh, to see that, you know, we would not only doing the things that we should be doing, but most of all that in all that we do, that Christ was glorified. Um, you see that, you know, we can go out on the street and we can see that just on Alabama Avenue alone, there are churches everywhere. Amen. Um, in D.C. and Ward 8 and there are churches everywhere. But one of the things that we should always be looking to do is making sure that, one, our motives are pure, and then, two, to make sure that the work that we're doing, that it's not in vain. Like I said, that in all that we do, we need to make sure that God is being glorified. And so in that, as we look at Galatians 6, 1 through 5, we're going to look at fulfilling 
the law of Christ, a spiritual checkup. Fulfilling the law of Christ, a spiritual checkup. Let us pray. Precious and all-wise God, we give your name all the praise, all the glory, and all of the honor. And Lord, we are just so grateful for all that you've already done throughout this day, throughout this week, throughout this month. Because Lord, we recognize that it is only because of you and your keeping power that we are here today and that we count ourselves saved. And we are just so grateful for your loving kindness towards us, your tender mercies. And even now, Lord, as we prepare to receive and hear your precious word, Lord, I pray that uh, I not proclaim my thoughts, my wants, my desires, or my opinions, but let nothing be spoken but your word, your word of truth, your word of love, your word of strength, your word of conviction. And we pray, precious Lord, that I would decrease, that you will increase, that you will get all of the glory, all of the praise, and all of the honor. Precious Lord, we pray that as you continue, as you have already done on today, Lord, continue to have your way in this place, that your name will be proclaimed. And we give your name all of the praise, all of the glory, and all of the honor. In Christ our Savior's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. So when Paul was writing this letter, he was writing it to the church at Galatia. And the church was made up of both Jewish and Gentile converts. Now, Galatia was very uh, segregated in a way that in the north you had what they call ethnic Galatians, those that were, were born and raised there. And then to the south, you had transplants, those who may have been uh, uh, come from, from Rome or other Roman provinces and set up a shop to live there. And it's very similar to what we have here in D.C., almost to the flip side. You can look at uh, D.C. and in the north side, you have a lot of transplants that have come from other areas to live, to work in the city. Um, here on the south side, you have a, a lot of people that are still uh, were born and raised in the city. Um, and a lot of times, um, you'll find that there are friction between those two different sides. Um, the, 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 the people that were born and raised say, well, here comes these, these, these transplants. And, and sometimes they may use words a little more harsher than that. Um, but they'll say, here they come trying to move us out of our city. And sometimes then you'll find the flip side, the people that are coming into the city, they say, look, we just want to, uh, we have a right to beautify the city. You're, you're keeping us from doing that. You're keeping us from moving in our own freedom. And a lot of times what you'll see is you'll have that, 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 that conflict between the two, uh, the two different populations. And it, it was similar to that in Galatia. You had the people that were, that were born and raised there. You had the people that were coming from different provinces, from different countries that were setting up shop. But when Paul was writing this letter, he was writing it to a, a body that was made up of both Jewish and Gentile converts. Some people were ethnic Galatians. Some people uh, were, were coming from Rome or from other places. And they, but nevertheless, there were people that, that had seen the truth and that were seen the truth and were exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were coming together to worship and praise the true and living God. 
But right about this time when he was writing this letter, Paul caught word that there were people that were coming that were leading them astray from what he had already taught them in the gospel. Um, he, he had taught them a gospel that was based on salvation by grace through faith. And he was hearing word that there were those that were coming and preaching what he termed as another gospel and leading it to a salvation that was based on works. Um, at this time, we see that it was uh, the works, that many of the works were based on Jewish uh, traditions and, and, um, and, and the, this, this other teaching that was coming in was saying that these traditions were still binding to the New Testament church. And so when Paul wrote this letter, he gave an elaborate defense of what the gospel is, that it's not based on works, that, it's based on, that our salvation is based on grace through faith, through Christ alone. And then also in this letter, he taught about the dangers of having that legalistic spirit, that it's works that saves us, that it's what we do that saves us, rather than realizing that it was Christ and Christ alone that saves us. And then as he continued to write in this letter, he gave the reader the expectation uh, of what it is to have a life that was empowered and living in step with the Holy Spirit. We see this especially in the preceding chapter, uh, chapter 5, especially uh, starting at verse 16, Paul writes, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He later goes down and he uh, gives details about how it is, the various fruit, quote-unquote, of walking in the flesh. But more importantly, he gives us that very important passage that we even quote today in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 about what, it, what the fruit of the Spirit actually are. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. And as he continues on and he and we come into chapter 6, he is still in that same vein, even though uh, he doesn't say it explicitly, but he, he is in that same vein of now that we recognize that, that we should be walking in the Spirit and we should have fruit of the Spirit, that now we should see what uh, that spiritual life as believers should actually look like. So when we come to verse 1 in chapter 6, he comes right off the bat and says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now, it's so funny that we can see, depending on uh, your belief system, or, you know, where you are in the faith or where you come from in the faith, that when you hear the term be spiritual, there can be so many different connotations and explanations about what it actually is to be spiritual. You know, some people think that, uh, you know, being spiritual should mean that, you know, that I should uh, have all of these, you know, mystical powers or mystical knowledge and, um that I'm spiritual because I know things that you don't, or I can do things that you can't. But when we take all of these things into context, Paul is just admonishing the believer that you who are spiritual are those who are walking in the Spirit, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And 
Because you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, you are likewise bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You're bearing love, you're bearing joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things are, are, are working in your life. So because you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because you have the Holy Spirit that is empowering you, because you are empowered, because of you are, are displaying those fruits, you're spiritual. And so he's telling the church that the church at Galatia, that those who are spiritual, if you have someone, if you have a brother, if you have a sister who is caught in transgression, who's caught in sin, restore him in the spirit of gentleness. So he is advocating for the church to take on spiritual responsibility, that we should have, be responsible and accountable to each other and for one another. And the funny thing is, is that when he says this, he says that if you're caught in any transgression. A lot of times what, the, what we would do as the church is that we'll wait till something festers and it becomes big and it becomes evident. And then we want to, you know, call them out. You know, we want to do what Matthew in 18 does. And we want to uh, 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 look at doing uh, spiritual discipline. But right off the bat, he's saying any transgression, meaning that anything that we see our brother and sister doing that is an offense or against the word of God, whether we think it's small, whether we think it's large, we know God doesn't have any degrees of sin. Sin is sin. That whatever the case may be, that we should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. You know, when, we, when, I, when I read this scripture, you know, many of you know the, the battle I was going through um, as I was uh, dealing with my past job and, you know, dealing with different things in financial, financial areas and long hours at work and uh, praying and hoping, you know, for God to open another door. Um, there were times when I felt myself, you know, battling uh, a lack of faith, you know, battling depression, the battling uh, uh, just giving up. And thank God I have a, a loving wife, Natasha, amen, who is, you know, see these things. And every now and then she would just remind me that, you know what, God hasn't given up on you. Just, just keep holding on. Just keep believing. Just keep having faith in how the Lord is going to do it. You know, he may have you stay there for two or three more years, or he may open the door tomorrow. But whatever the case may be, you just got to keep on trusting and having faith. What she was doing, she was restoring me in a spirit of gentleness. Because what I was doing, I was operating in unbelief. I was operating in disobedience. And what that was is sin. And whether it may not have been, what we, like I said, what we termed the, the great big sins, you know, because like once again, as I said, there's no degree of sin. She still saw that and she restored me by leading me to the word of God, by leading me to Jesus Christ. And that's how we should be. When we see anything, you know, whether it's a moment of weakness, whether it's a moment of disbelief, whether it's a moment of unbelief, whether, whether it's, 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 it's a, uh, whatever it may be, a moment of, of just, uh, 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 like I said, of unbelief, because it's, 
goes against the word of God, a lack of faith. We should restore him and her back to God. How? In a spirit of gentleness. And once again, that spirit of gentleness is what? It's one of the fruit of the spirit. So not waiting for that sin to fester, and then next thing you know, it manifests itself into something great and big. But right when we see it, we have a responsibility to one another. That if we see one another hurting, if we see one another being, being dragged down by whatever we're going through, we have a responsibility to, to lead us back to the word of God, lead us back to Jesus Christ so that he will be glorified. But then in one marking that, that we have a spiritual responsibility, he ends that verse by telling us to be vigilant. He says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And I was just like, wow, when I read this. And to many, it may seem that when Paul was writing this, that he's kind of scattered with his thoughts. But when you kind of read down and you look at some of the, the verses that come after, you'll see that the Holy Spirit was using him to write something that will be a benefit for us, for us, the church. So when he says that we should watch ourselves lest we be tempted, we know that the enemy is always about trying to seek who he will devour. So we can see that he's telling us that while we're uh, directing our brother and our sister back to him, that we likewise, we need to guard ourselves. Because just as easy it was for them to fall or to slip or however you want to term it, term it likewise, if we are not careful, we could be walking that same path. So just as we are, have a responsibility to help lead and guard our brothers and sisters, we also have to make sure that we keep in mind that we have a responsibility to guard our own heart, to guard our heart from disbelief or unbelief, to guard our heart from a lack of faith, to guard our heart from all of those things that will come to separate us from the word of God. 1 Peter 5 and 8 tells us to be sober-minded, be watchful. Just as Paul says, be, uh, uh, stay alert, keep watching yourself. Why? Because the adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So we need to be careful because in all of these things, we, once again, like I said, we want to make sure that we are glorifying God. And so then as he continues to go on a little further, he continues again and says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Romans 15, 1 and 2 says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. But then also it says in Psalm 55 and 22, that we should cast our burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. So when you think about that, it's like, well, 
what are we doing? Are we bearing our brothers and sisters' burdens? Or are, is the Lord the one that should be bearing our burdens? And then, you know, that goes back to, uh, once again, us making sure that we are being spiritual, that we're displaying those fruit of the Spirit. Because if we recognize that we are displaying those fruit of the Spirit, that in help lifting up our brother and sister, we're not doing it in our own strength. Because likewise, we could be tempted. That it's not in our own strength that we are keeping ourselves. So it's not in our own strength that we are helping to lift up our brother and sister. But it's only because of the strength and the, and the love and the, and the power that is in the word of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in, bearing, in helping our brother and sister bear their burdens, we're not shouldering them alone, but we're, what we're doing is that we are leading them once again to God, to Jesus Christ, so that they can cast their burdens upon the Lord. One of the dangers that the church falls in so many times in trying to help others and try to help one another and try to help the community is that we often find ourselves building up a savior complex, meaning that, that we expect to be the one to answer everyone's prayers. We be the one that's expected to answer, to give help where help is needed. And so when we're doing that, we're building up, once again, those works of the flesh that Paul admonished us not to be a part of in, in, in chapter 5. We're building up uh, 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 pride and, and so many things that, that, cause us, that can cause us to, to, to bring uh, disdain to what it means to be a Christian. So... As we are leading our brother and sister, as we are helping them shoulder their burden, we're not taking it on. But what we're doing is that we're helping them cast it to the Lord. And so that they could see that it's not on us, that we don't have a savior complex because we recognize that we, can, that, that we only have so much that we could do. But we're showing them that it's all in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, because when we have that savior complex... We start to rely more on ourselves and less on God. We start to re rely more on our own hands and our own intellect and, and less on the word of God. And so then we think that in order for us to be a blessing to someone else, then we need more of this or we need more of that. We need more money. We need, we, 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 you know, we need more people. We need, we need more resources. But in all of these things, we can recognize that very quickly and very easily just as we have been blessed, we may have been blessed with resources, we may have been blessed with people, we may have been blessed with money, that just as quickly as we have obtained those things, that just very quickly, those things, could, we could lose those things. Those things could be taken away from us. And then next thing we know, we, 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 we find ourselves that uh, becoming uh, bitter because we're no longer able to provide. So then we're, when we recognize that it's not in us, and it's not in ourselves, but it's all in God, that it's all in Jesus Christ, that we're not the one bearing the burdens alone, but we are helping them bear the burdens with Christ, to Christ. We are helping fulfill the law of Christ. Now, when Paul wrote Galatians, there was so much that he wrote about the law. And, you know, as I said earlier, that there was a legalistic spirit that was trying to sweep through the church at Galatia, and it was based on works. It was based on traditions. It was based on 
ceremonial things. But we can see that when we think about the law of Christ, you know, Christ told us that he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came that the law would be fulfilled. And when we think about what the law of Christ is, we can look right at Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. John 13, 34 also testifies to this. As Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And we see that love, 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 all in, 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 in Matthew, we see love abounding. In, in John, we see love abounding. Where else do we see love? We see love is also as, as the, some of that fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. That, that spiritual person is walking and moving in love, not for selfish gain, not for to have that savior complex, but because of love for Jesus Christ and love for one another. So when we are helping our brothers and sisters in their burdens, we're helping fulfill that law, that, that law of Christ because we are showing love to God. We're showing love to Christ by loving, by, by one, by fulfilling his commandments to love one another, and then we're helping fulfill that law because we are showing love to one another despite our conditions, despite what we're going through, despite our state. We are showing love to one another. And we recognize that that love is not rooted in us, but it is rooted in Jesus Christ. So then when we continue to look at, okay, so he's telling me first that... Uh, uh, that if one is caught in transgression, that we should help restore them in the spirit of gentleness. Then he's saying that we should help bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. But then remember how I said he, he, he told us to, uh, that we should keep watching ourselves, lest we too be tempted. When we go down to verses 3 through 5, things kind of take a very different turn. He says, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. So one of the things about truly being spiritual beings is that we should never look to our neighbor to compare ourselves. We should not look to our neighbor to be our measuring stick in God. When we look at that, that is a Pharisee way of thinking. We are looking at our, we are looking at our lives as being based on works when it is God who does the work. 1 Corinthians 3 and 7 says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. And then 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, 
But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. You see, when we look at our own lives, we should never think our lives to be so great that we can boast in what we're doing by measuring about what our brother and sister either has or does not have. We should not look at ourselves and, dis and disregard our own sin because of the sins of our brothers and sisters. We should not look at our lives and look at the material things that we have been blessed with and think ourselves more blessed than our brothers and sisters because of the material things that they do not have. But rather, we should always remember that it is God who deserves all of the boast. We don't boast in ourselves because, like I said, as easily as we have obtained things, just as easily we can lose those things. But in Jesus Christ, if we boast in him, we recognize that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that we boast in the one who truly has all power. And if we do that, we will be unlike a Pharisee, but we will be truly spiritual beings. When we look at Luke 18, we hear the parable of the, the Pharisee and a tax collector. Uh, it says that two men went in, up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful, merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus Christ said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. So we should not boast in ourselves, but rather we should boast in Jesus Christ. If you look down even a, four, a, a few verses down in verse 14, Paul says, but, be far, be it, but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So when he is telling us that, uh, that let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. One, we're not comparing ourselves to our neighbor. But then when we look at ourselves, we should realize that all that we have is nothing without Jesus Christ. So even when we start to look at our own work, we realize that it's not our works of our hands, but it's the work of God. It's the works of God that, that he allowed us to have what we have. It's, a, it's the works of God that we are where we are. It's the works of God that we can think like we think, not because of what we think we've done with our own hands, but all because God showed grace and mercy to us that he did not leave us down where we were, but he grabbed us and he lifted us up and he cleansed us and he, and he picked us up and he strengthened us so that we can be a blessing to one another, that we can be a blessing to the world, not so that we can stand and compare ourselves and say, well, I'm greater than this one and I'm greater than that. Well, I have this and I have that. Oh, I don't do this and I don't do that, so I must be better. No, if it were not for God, 
then we would be just like those ones we may be criticizing. We are even worse because we, because we are taking on that, that savior complex, that God complex, that is because of the works of our hands, that it's in what we do. And, that, and when we think like that, we are, we are thinking that we don't need God. All we need is our own strength, our own intellect, our own power, our own might, rather than recognize that if it had not been for God who lifted us up, who saved us, who, who took us from our, our, our past condition and, and, and washed us and cleansed us from our sins, then truly where would we be? So he's calling us to humble ourselves. That even as we, CHCC, as we have gone through our first year, that we should be comparing ourselves to what the church across the street is doing. We shouldn't be saying, well, we have this program and that program and uh, uh, that church across the street, they only have one or two. Uh, uh, we're out on a block and we're passing out water, we're passing out coffee. That church down the street, I don't see them doing anything. Rather than us boasting in what we're doing, we should take a look and examine ourselves and saying, is all that we're doing, is it rooted in fulfilling the law of Christ? Is it rooted in fulfilling that we are showing love to God and God alone and that likewise we are showing love to one another? Or is it rooted in just saying that, that we do this so that our name will be great, so that we do this that, so that CHCC's name will be great? Or are we doing this that no matter they remember our names, no matter if they recognize or remember the name of our church, the one thing that they remember was that they did this in the love of of Jesus Christ. Because when we think about this, we see that the gospel message was rooted in bearing burdens that we could not bear. The gospel message was rooted in sharing and fulfilling something that we could not fulfill on our own. When we look at the gospel message, we see that we were born in sin, we were shaping and iniquity. We see that no matter the works we try to do on our own, we couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't bear the burden of our own weight and sin. But thank God for Jesus Christ. We thank God because he did what the Father commanded him to do. John 14, 31 says, but as the Father has commanded me, that the world may know that I love the Father. So he did what the Father commanded him to do. That he came and wrapped himself in flesh. That he didn't think himself too great to come and dwell and walk among his creation. But not only that, he didn't think himself too great to be persecuted and spit upon and lied on from his own creation, but rather he said, I do this because they cannot bear their burdens alone. They need me to be the perfect sacrifice 
for their sins. They need me to be the to be the one to be that ultimate sacrifice so they won't experience wrath, but rather they will experience grace and mercy. They won't be able to do this because of the works on alone. They won't be able to do this because of tradition. They won't be able to do this because of ceremonial sacrifices. The only way they could do this is if I come down and I'll be the one who will give my life for their sins. So it was only in Jesus Christ that our burdens could be lifted, that the burden of our sin could be lifted. It was only through Jesus Christ could we know true reconciliation to the Father. And he did not do that so that we could boast in our own works or that we can boast of what we have or we can boast of what we're not doing or what we are doing. But he did all of these things so that we can boast in Jesus Christ alone so that when we are helping restore our brother and sister, we're not doing it so we can make ourselves feel better. But we're doing it so that we can boast in the power and the love and the strength of Jesus Christ. We were on the block and we're sharing the gospel and we're praying for for, for our neighbors and, 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 we're, and we're getting to know our neighbors. We're not doing it so someone can say that, oh, look at what CHCC is doing, but we're doing it so that someone will know that there is a Savior, that there is a God who loves you, that who is able to save you, who is able to take that burden that you cannot carry and that he could take it upon himself and that he could free you from the bondage of sin. He does these things that he did those things that we could not do. He didn't do it so that we could boast, but he did it that he would be glorified. So just as we had taken that step to believe in Jesus Christ, when we repented of our sins and through saving faith, we trusted in him. So likewise, we will be leaving, leading others that it's not about the works that we do, but it's about repenting, turning away from your sins, having saving faith that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he was crucified on the cross for our sins, that, 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 that he died and that God lifted him up, raised him from the dead with all power in his hands. In doing that, we are fulfilling the law of Christ because we are showing the love of our Father and we are showing that love to one another. So as we continue to go about this week, this month, this year, let us always keep those things in mind, that we shouldn't boast in ourselves, that we shouldn't boast in our works, that we shouldn't look down on the next person, that we shouldn't look down on our neighbors, that we shouldn't look down to the world, but rather we should have that same heart that Jesus Christ had, that he wanted to see us saved, that he wants to see them saved. And so the work that we do is not so that we could boast or brag in ourselves, but the work that we do is for the spreading 
of the love of Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Precious and all wise God, we give your name all of the praise, all of the glory, and all of the honor. And we just are just so grateful, Lord, that it was you that called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. We couldn't do it, Lord. We were wasting away in a world of sin. We were on our way to eternal wrath and damnation. But thank, but thanks be to God that you allowed someone to speak the word of love, the gospel of truth into our lives, to share the love of Christ to us. So likewise, Lord, we pray that both individually and collectively that we would likewise do the same, not so that we could boast in ourselves, but so that we could continue to boast in the power and the grace and the loving kindness and tender mercies in our Lord Jesus Christ. We give your name all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.